Hello, welcome to our audio Bible study. This is lesson five out of twenty-five lessons, and I pray that this entire series will help you know more about the God of the Bible. God bless and enjoy the series. Today we are going to be talking about something very special. We are talking about heaven. This is as good as it gets. You know, for thousands of years there have been claims made about the existence of a space or a place or special that very few people can claim to have seen,、uh, nor even been. The first book of the Bible refers to heaven, as does the last book of the Bible in Revelation. In fact. Heaven is mentioned in the Bible hundreds of times. Well, does heaven really exist? And if it does, what is it like? As we consult the Bible today, we'll find that what God has planned for us is as good as it can be. So let's start. Is there a place in heaven? Let's go straight to the question. Is there a place in heaven? Well, what does the Bible say? In John chapter six, verse fifty-one, it says, and I quote: "I am the living bread which came down from heaven." Unquote. Well, you couldn't be more specific than that. Here, Jesus is certainly saying where he came from. Jesus was saying he came from a place called heaven. He declared that he came from heaven, so there must be a place in called heaven. Well, then, in the Bible, heaven is used in many, many different ways. The word heaven can be referred to the air, which where the birds fly, or it can refer to the outer space, you know, the universe that we have, and then indeed it can also refer to. Heaven, which is where God dwells at the moment, so this is the place where God dwells that we want to talk about today. This is the heaven we are talking about. The Bible reference for the three heavens are here, in Genesis seven twenty-three, chapter seven, verse twenty-three. It talks about the heaven that the birds are flying around. In Genesis chapter twenty-two. Verse seventeen. It talks about the heavens where the stars are, which is the space, outer space. And then in Matthew chapter five, verse sixteen, it talks about heaven where the Father is. So those are the three heavens that the Bible refers to. So now let's talk about the heaven where Father is, where God is living now. Is heaven a physical space where God's people? Will go eventually. Well, let's look at what the Bible tells us in First Peter chapter one verse four, and I quote: "An inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you." Unquote. And in John chapter fourteen verse two, it says, "In my Father's house." Are many mentions. It if it were not so, I would have told you. So, God's people will certainly be going to this physical place, 
where God is living now. So indeed, heaven is a physical place. And, well, I suppose the next question might be, how do we get there? Do we buy a ticket? Do we get on a plane? How do we get there? Well, we don't have to worry about it because Jesus has already worried about it for us. Let's look at what Jesus has planned and what he said in the Bible in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. I quote, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Unquote. What it is saying here is based on what we've just read. God's people will travel to heaven accompanied by Jesus. While it's a bit hard to really understand exactly how we travel to heaven and what it's like, you know, intergalactical travel, but it seems logical to assume that the redeemed, the people who died in Christ and the people who are alive in Christ are going to experience intergalactical space travel. Isn't this exciting? So what the Bible has just said that we don't have to worry about our travels there. Jesus will come himself and he will bring us home with him. We just don't have to worry how to get there. We just know and trust that we will be there traveling to heaven with Jesus. Well, then what is heaven like? Now, that's a question that perhaps is the hardest to answer. Try as we may, we may, we can't ever imagine what heaven is, how wonderful heaven will be. But we can try. Let's try and take a moment to think about the most beautiful place you've ever seen or you've ever been. Heaven will be much better than that place. Your most enjoyable vacation, perhaps, or even better, the most memorable time you've ever experienced. Heaven will be even better than that many, many, many times. Although there is no harm in trying, we can simply, we simply cannot imagine we just how wonderful heaven is going to be. But we can trust that it will be better, many, many times better than the best moments and best experience and best place we have ever been to. This is how heaven is, is described in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, I quote, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him, unquote. We just don't know and cannot ever imagine what God has prepared for us. All right, if we can't imagine it ourselves, has anybody throughout history seen or written about heaven? Well, there are. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, and the book of Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. In 
Corinthians, I quote, it was caught, he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, unquote. Here, Paul says this individual was caught up to the third heaven, which is the heaven where Father is living now and the heaven where gods dwell. And they heard inexpressible words. And in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, I quote, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, unquote. So yes, people have seen and people have written about heaven. Well, what have Bible writers seen in heaven? Well, look at Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. I quote, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one set on the throne, one being God. See here, John, John the Revelator, saw God's throne and God himself in heaven. And in other places in the Bible, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, Daniel describes a vision he received of heaven. In heaven, his vision was God the Father, was the, in other words, the ancient of days. God's clothing was as white as snow. God's hair was like pure wool. And God's throne was a fiery flame. And the wheels of throne was a burning fire and a great multitude of, multitudes of angels. And in Revelation 4, John the Revelator describes God the Father again, similar to what Daniel has described. Described the throne of God, described a rainbow around God's throne, described the 24 elders around God and the sea of grass. So the writers in the Bible have written about heaven and they've written what they saw, that ha what heaven was. Now, these writers also wrote something that's very significant, very special. They wrote that heaven is where the home of the Ark of the Covenant is, the sacred repository of the Ten Commandments, the two slabs. The Ten Commandments are now in heaven. Well, you find this in Revelation chapter 11, verse 19, and I quote, then the temple of God was opened in heaven and the Ark of the Covenant was seen in his temple, unquote. So the Ark of the Angel is where, uh, Ark of the Covenant is in heaven. Right, now we ask, Jesus is in heaven. What is he doing in heaven? Well, the question is seen in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, and I quote, we have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, unquote. In short, what this verse says is Jesus is in heaven as our high priest, our advocate, our lawyer representing us, interceding for us before the Father's throne. Jesus' ministry takes place in the heavenly sanctuary, a physical place which was built by God. And heaven is where Jesus' work in the plan of salvation for you and I is currently being carried out. In a physical sense, I can imagine Jesus, our legal representative, up there talking to his Father, representing for you 
for me and for all those who accept Jesus Christ as his Savior. Isn't this a wonderful news? Well, are then those who are saved going to be spending all their time up in this heaven that we're talking about, this third heaven we're talking about? Well, let's have a look at it in this way. Sooner or later, we and God is going to move home. He is going to move home from this third heaven, if you like, where he is now, and the final resting place for God and his people will be on planet Earth. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 13, I quote, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. New earth, what does it mean? Well, the new earth will be the eternal home of God and God's saved people. After spending some time in heaven, up there in heaven, God's saved people and God will relocate it, will be re relocated to a recreated and a brand new planet Earth. Now this is could be news to many people. Many would have thought that, well, we are going to spend eternity up in heaven, which is the third heaven we're talking about. Well, that is not biblical. What is biblical, which we have just read just now, was there will be a time when God will move home and he will move to his permanent home with all God's people. And that permanent home is where you and I are now on earth, but a new earth, a totally ran, recreated, transformed earth. And I'm sure that's, that's truly an exciting news. Now, the next question might be, what will the new earth be like? Well, Revelation chapter 21, verse 2 states, and I quote, And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, unquote. Now, God will relocate, will relocate what could be referred to his capital city from heaven to planet Earth. This planet Earth, this once sinful planet, the home of the fall of humanity and the site of the brutal crucifixion of the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, this planet Earth will be transformed into the eternal place of living of not only the saved God's children, but also Christ himself. Revelation chapter 21 verse 3 verse 20 and chapter 22 verse 3. It is here on planet Earth that God and his people will live in eternity. Revelation chapter 21 verse 3, I quote, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, unquote. So simply God's intention, his great desire is to dwell in the midst of his people for all eternity. Isn't this wonderful? We will be seeing God face to face. We will be having dinner with him. We'll be saying hello to him down the street. We will just simply live with him. And how is this new earth, this wonderful place, 
Has it, ever, has it ever been described at all? Well, yes, it has. It has been described in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 1 and 2, I quote, it looks like this, and I quote, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of the street and on either side of the river, was the tree of life, unquote. So both the river of life and the tree of life will be in this new earth, the forever home of the redeemed. Well, now that we know we're going to be back on earth, on this newly transformed earth by God, what is life going to be like? I mean, what, what is it exactly going to be, be like? Does the Bible tells us that? Well, it does. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 22, verse 3, 4, and 5, and chapter 21, verse 4, tells us what we can expect. And let's go there now. In chapter 22, verse 3, and I quote, it says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. See, throughout eternity there will be no sin in heaven, in the new earth. And in Revelation 22, verse 15, it goes on to say, it lists the type of people who will not be permitted to dwell in the holy city. In short, those who have not yielded to Christ and have clung instead to their own sin and not be in the earth made new, sinners will not be happy spending eternity in the presence of the Holy God. If you thought going to church was a real pain, if you thought glorifying God on Sabbath and worshipping God was a real one-hour waste of time, you will not be enjoying heaven, because in enjoying in heaven you will be worshipping and serving God every minute and every moment of the time. You will not enjoy heaven. But for those who listen and obey, and those who would willfully, fully surrender to God, will be spending time in eternity in this wonderful place without curse. Revelation 22 verse 4, and I quote, They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. Now, not only will we see God's face to face, but his character, God's nature, represented here by his name, God, will be restored into us into our hearts, into our minds, into us, into his people. We will be like him and we will reflect his glory and reflect his wonderful nature. This place is going to be full of people just like that. Revelation 21 verse 4. And God, I quote, and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There shall be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying. There should be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Unquote. The old earth, the sinful, horrible earth, would have passed away, totally recreated for you and I to live with God on this new planet. Throughout eternity, there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. There will be no hospitals, there will be no doctors, no dentists, no lawyers, no judges, no policemen, no army. We will live in complete harmony with each other. 
What a future God's people have to look forward to. And in Revelation chapter 22, verse 5, it says, and I quote, There shall be no night there. They need no lamb nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever, unquote. You heard that. There is no night. As the ages of eternity passes on, Revelation 21 verse 22 says, The glory of the Father and the Son illuminates the new Jerusalem. Because of the glory, we will be fully illuminated. This is just a small example of what the new earth is going to be like. A wonderful place to live in total contentment. Okay, some may say, well, that sounds wonderful. What then do we do? We just hang around playing harps and just do nothing and just look at each other and smile at each other. So what do we do? What do God's people do on the new earth? Well, let's have a look at Isaiah chapter 65, verse 21, and I quote, They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit, unquote. So yeah, what do we do on heaven? There are things we can do. There are lots of things we do. We build houses, we plant vineyards, so we literally grow and we build. Heaven will be a place of useful activities where God's people will be able to develop talents and skills and use them in constructive ways. So will you be bored? Well, I don't think so. But I can imagine what the fruit's going to be like, how delicious and how sweet how wonderful and how large they'll be. The harvest will be plentiful. And the houses we live, perhaps, will be the house, exactly the type of houses we need. How wonderful is that? Well, what about animals? What do we do? Um, well, look at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6, and I quote, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them." Unquote. You notice the words? Lamb and leopard, goat, and the young lion, the calf and the young lion. All these are predators we're talking about, and, and the lion would eat the calf in our world at the moment, but in the new world, guess what happens? They play nicely together. In Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 9, it goes on to say, They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Unquote. What it says here is heaven will be a place where there is no danger, and animals that are now natural enemies, like the goat and the lion, uh, the leopard and the lamb, they will dwell together in harmony. Isn't this wonderful? Imagine going out, patting and playing with a mature lion at dinner time. You wouldn't do that now. You may start to think that, well, all this sounds really too good to be true. Well, it is too good to be true. And it's only if you are not assured and if you are not guaranteed. But you know what? God has made that guaranteed. God had assured that he or she and you and I 
Everyone else can look forward to an eternity with God. He has made that promise in many, many different ways. One of them, look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, unquote. So you and I, any person, anyone on this world who has faith in the Lord, who trusts the Lord, who believes in what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago, will be given an opportunity to reap the benefit of this gift of everlasting life to live in the new earth. It's a gift, a gift from God, transformed by his power of his grace and has prepared this gift for you. He simply is merciful and he simply loves us. He simply wants to give us this gift. It's up to us to accept it and live in complete contentment together with the Lord or you choose not to accept it and reject it and you will not be in the new earth when you reject it. So, Revelation chapter 22 verse 14, I quote, Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city, unquote. Blessed are you when you willfully surrender your will to obey to the Lord and willfully accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. As soon as you do that, you have the opportunity to accept this gift of everlasting life that God is so keen to give us, to give you and to give me. The love for God will be manifested in loving obedience towards the one who is going to give us everlasting life, who is willing to save and keep his promise for eternity, for you, for me. And what great promise did Jesus made, make us in regarding to heaven? Jesus made a promise. John 14, chapter 2, John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3, and I quote, In my Father's house there are many mentions. It, if it were not, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, unquote. This is the promise Jesus has made for you and for me, that one day, and this is very soon, he will return to this earth and to take us with him, Firstly, to heaven. Through faith in God's word, through faith in what God has written in the Bible and God's general revelation, you can have the assurance that heaven is real. It's a physical place waiting for us. That life after death on this earth is going to be full of meaning and purpose and that the new earth will be a place of blessing and goodness. The people you've lost now who are and who have accepted Christ, they will be met again and they will be with you again on new earth. That is the promise that Jesus has made. Jesus said that he is in heaven preparing a place for us, for you and for me and for all the blessed children of God right now. Soon, Jesus will then return to take us to this glorious home that he's preparing. You can be confident in your own mind you can be confident of your own place in heaven, specially for you, earmarked for you, simply by accepting Jesus now. 
accepting Jesus as the Lord of your life, as your Savior, accepting his offer of free forgiveness, his grace, his offering of merciness, mercifulness and offering of eternal life, the free forgiveness of your sin and wielding your life and yielding your life unreservedly to him. That's all you have to do, accept him and willfully obey him, totally surrender to him. So before we finish, let me ask you this question. Would you be willing to surrender your life to Jesus now and ask him to live his life in you and accept him as a savior, knowing what he has promised? Well, I pray that you would say yes. And I pray that you would earnestly pray this prayer of request that Jesus, in your quiet moments now, ask Jesus to come in your life, to come in your heart, ask Jesus to be your savior. And as soon as you do that, you are given the guarantee that you will be joining us all in the new earth. God bless us all.